I'm Lawrence Carroll, and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETFs for the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes and Barrett's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of Focused Wealth Management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focused Wealth, and Michael Basante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. Good morning, morning, Mike. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Well, this isn't really from a client. It's from the Financial Times, and uh, it's a little bit of a long one, so bear with me. Muhammad Al-Aryan, the president of Queens College at Cambridge University and an advisor to Allianz, said over the weekend that central banks are waking up to the realization that we're making a transition to a new and more challenging regime for financial conditions. He said it is undeniable that after years of massive liquidity injections and floored policy rates, the world is in the grips of a generalized tightening of financial conditions. And it is not a cyclical phenomenon that will soon unleash mean reverting forces. Instead, it is a secular regime change, a secular regime change forced on reluctant central banks by inflation that has got well ahead of them and threatens livelihoods, worsens inequality, undermines financial stability. He blamed the Fed for stubbornly believing that inflation is transitory, and to regain, regain credibility, the Fed needs to follow the example of the European Central Bank and explain why it got its inflation forecast so long, so wrong for so long, and how, how it has improved its forecasting abilities. And it has to become more frank and open about what's ahead for the economy. Do you agree with them? So there are a couple you know, nuances to this question that I want to really extrapolate and go into at, in, in length. First off, I think Muhammad Al-Aryan has about the same credibility as Jerome Powell right now. Um, I really don't like Muhammad Al-Aryan is a smart individual who definitely understands the, you know, the plumbings of the global economic and financial system. But I read a book of his in uh, 2010. It was called um, When Markets Collide. And it was all about how global economies and emerging markets were going to outperform the U.S. for the next 20 to 30 years. And that really hasn't happened. It was pretty much a waste of my time. Um, and Alarian says a lot of things, almost none of them, in my opinion, pan out to be completely true, although he is smart and he does understand the plumbing of the situation behind the scenes. These guys have all gotten these forecasts wrong. And I think if you go back throughout the course of time, you'll see that Alarian said somewhat similar things about stimulus throughout the economy. And I think what people have to acknowledge is that for really one of the first times, you know, in my entire career, dating back to almost 20 years, you saw an alignment of fiscal and monetary policy coming out of the pandemic. I mean, central banks had been doing monetary policy since the financial crisis, and it really wasn't aligned with fiscal expansion. And it really didn't result in inflation. Now that they have actually aligned the two for a really short period of time, it has resulted in inflation. And certain areas of this inflation are due to the global supply chain breaking down, globalization not being in the same place as it was throughout that entire period in the post-financial crisis era. So I do think that there needs to be more credibility because when the Fed made the announcement that um, that they were going to hike interest rates uh, three quarters of a percent, Powell got up on television and straight up said to people that he doesn't see any major deterioration in the rate of growth in the U.S. economy. The Atlanta Fed GDP tracker just went negative. So either he's lying to people or the head of the U.S. Central Bank 
is not paying attention to the Fed's own GDP tracker. And again, two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth is a recession. And I don't, most of the economic data we're getting is for the month of May. The month of June data to continue to deteriorate. So I don't see any way that this is going to swing to the positive um, in terms of GDP trackers. So it looks like we're going to get our second consecutive negative GDP print, which would officially put us into a recession. And I mean, the interesting thing about this is that when you look at returns for the markets, there's a lot of negativity and bearish sentiment priced in. I'm actually getting a little bit more incrementally positive if you understand the cycle and you kind of listen to what people are saying behind the scenes here, because you know, last week it looked like the ECB started to blink a little bit. And they finally said that you know, it looks like they're going to start to implement additional policies that potentially control bond spreads. That sounds yeah, like, I'd like Yeah, I'd like to chime in here. Absolutely. Yeah. So look, Ellarian's a pontificator. You know, he's at, at Cambridge. That's what he's paid for. We are practitioners. Even though we pontificate, we also practice right, right every day. You know, we're, we're in the road, uh, our ears to the ground. And I think you're right. I think not just the ECB, um, but I think if you listen to our Fed and talking about how, hey, to quote Huey Lewis, we need a new drug. And I think a new drug is on its way. Um, I think when you look at, you know, the CPI and what makes it up and how are you going to get the CPI down? How are you going to get inflation down? And Larry's right about inflation. Look, inflation is a thief that robs from everybody, as Buffett and Charlie Munger always say. And that, that's true. Um, I think you have. I don't think that's going to solve the issue. What's going to solve the issue is some time, right? You got to have time here um, for the supply chain to fix itself. You got to get energy down. Energy and some of these commodities look like they're starting to take any. They're starting to really go down in price. Um, the Germans uh, over the weekend turned on their coal factories. I know for the green movement, that might be very bad, but short term, you know, I think you have a, a, a wartime decision to make. And obviously they're doing so. We'll see what happens globally. Uh, and oil should, you got to break oil. Oil's going to break. Um, and then if you look at the components of the CPI, housing and energy make up 75% of those components, housing being 41%. So when the Fed talks about new policy tools, I think, who knows, maybe Fannie will come into the market, big into the housing market again, uh, with some favorable mortgage rates. Uh, or programs uh, that will allow people, because don't forget, housing went up astronomically. And unless you're going to break housing as well, these inflationary numbers, again, that, that's 40% of it right there. So um, I think you're right. I think the markets have reached an oversold point. I think we're working on a bottom. I find these dips here in the summer markets are slow. Uh, typically, though, September and October are also bad periods. Um, but you know, these are great times for long-term investors in stocks and in bonds, right? So, you know, now you can go out and buy stocks as well as great bonds and put together a great 60-40 portfolio at a really reasonable price. And uh, not the private equity, that's 20% minimum because of the leverage they're using, minimum below water, uh, making that a really flawed asset class, as we've always warned clients on. Um, stick to belt and suspender, high quality companies, high quality bonds. Uh, and this is a great time to be putting monies to work. Um, yes, uh, if you want to fight inflation long term, you have to be an investor. You have to bite your tongue through these markets, hold yourself and not make any rash decisions. Yeah, totally agree. And I mean, what you said about the policy shift, how that's changing, it's coming after the largest de destruction of wealth 
literally ever. Um, yes, yes. And, and, and largely been engineered by our own central bank in terms of missing the inflation call last year and now going through an excessive point in tightening. And I continue to say, endless rate hikes will not make inflation go away. This is a time and a fiscal thing that needs to make inflation go away. There's been more market cap loss since the beginning of this year, only in equities and bonds, or really in equities, not including anything that has happened in cryptocurrency. Um, it, it's been more than 2008. And it's 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 worth yeah. saying that I mean market cap started from a higher point now relative to 2008, but you're seeing declines that sort of mimic 1987 and 1962, and yeah, declines happened. There were some decent rates of return in that forward time period, both nine and 12 months after the fact. So that's hey, important. Look, down forty thousand from here is thirty percent away. That's a great return. Yeah. What do you, what do you mean nine, bigger than nineteen or? Bigger than 2007. That was down 37 points and we're only down about 20, 25% now. Not on a percentage basis. We have lost more market cap. Dollar, dollar market cap, dollar. Not, yeah. So that's why I said it's important to acknowledge that we started from a higher point. On a percentage basis, we haven't eclipsed those declines. But in terms of total market cap lost, there's been more market cap lost in cryptocurrency than there was in the entire tech.com bubble. And that's, so. I mean, that's speculative crap. Me and you could bet on ants walking across our floor, right? I mean, the same, same type of stuff. But how much did that extrapolate into inflation? People thought that they had more money in cryptocurrency, so they were spending more money. And now that- Or just the entire stock market they were spending because of that. Yeah, true. But stock market, you know, companies have earnings. Right. But I'm just saying that people looked at their uh, investment portfolios and said, wow, I'm really rich now. I've gone and buy this or that. Absolutely. The wealth effect is wealth something effect. that Keely watches. And I think when you notice on Friday, when we got down 22% on the S&P, something like that, at that point, there was the rumblings of the new, new policy responses coming out. And I think that they started to cry uncle to themselves and that, uh, you know, maybe they went a bridge too far. Um, and they'll, you know, they're going to start looking at, at more tools. Um, so we'll see about that. Okay, and here's the second question. Susan from Florida asks, I'm 72 and I have to take a required minimum distribution known as an RMD from my retirement accounts this year. How should I handle this distribution in a down market? Good question. So first of all, I'd wait. Um, I would wait till your end year um, if you didn't take it already. Um, and I think that I would also look at you know the portfolio. Do we have cash in the portfolio set aside? Uh, do we have something that's down less? Do we have something that's up more? Hey, the energy holdings that, that may be in portfolios right now, great time to take it out of and take some money off the top of a great sector. Uh, or you look at, you know, uh, stuff that might be down less. And that's really what you want to do. You don't want to take it across your whole portfolio at this time. Uh, because if, you know, if markets bounce back, you could be missing out up to 20%, let's say, on some of the, the worst performing assets. Um, and so I wouldn't do that, but I think I would look at asset classes that are down least, asset classes that may be up, uh, or cash in the portfolio, or a lot of times people have a, an IRA at a bank or whatnot um, sitting in cash or CD, and that, that would be a great time uh, to go to those outside non-invested assets. As you see, as of this morning, the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index down you know, close to 12% on the year, and the S&P 500 down 22 uh, I, I wouldn't take it from those asset classes. So I would be very, very specific in where we're taking it from right now. And I would yeah. wait. 
There, there, there's a lot of components of portfolios that we've been carrying cash in as well. So if that cash is readily available and you need the money, the only thing that you have to understand is that taking that withdrawal out of a portfolio from a cash flow financial planning standpoint doesn't allow portfolio management to incrementally buy in if we do see some type of an upward inflection. So you may not ride the, the upside if there is some incremental upside between now and the end of the year. But if you need the money, you have to take the money, just what it is. And um, you can also donate it to charity and get a tax deduction. Correct. It's a good point, Larry. <laughs> uh, guys, that was great. And uh, if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our email address, which is question at twoquestiontuesday.com. And we'll be back next week. Stay well, guys. Thanks a lot, everyone.